0: But today, uh, we're gonna finish a series that we started a while ago in the book of Ephesians. And so, what we've been doing every Sunday has been taking a look at a chapter and highlighting a couple verses. So, we've got your Bible, so we always encourage you to bring your Bible, bring a friend, don't come to church alone. Will you turn with me to Ephesians chapter six? Uh, And it's the last chapter written by a man by the name of Paul. Uh, Paul's a pretty cool dude. If you've ever wondered if your past disqualifies you from the love of God or from a future, uh, Paul's life says uh, no. You, it does not qualify you, and he's your guy. Like, Paul had a horrible past, one he should have been ashamed of. Yet he met Jesus, it changed his life, and then he filled out, every, fulfilled everything that God had for him. So Paul's your guy. If you're like, I got a jacked up past, so did this guy who wrote two thirds of the New Testament. So this guy writes this letter to a book, uh, to a letter to a church in Ephesus. And it's to a church that's having a little bit of an identity crisis. See, they, they are in this city and the call of a Christian, you make a decision to follow Jesus, part of the great commission, what, part of what you are supposed to do with your life is to influence the culture around you with the message of Jesus. That comes by the way we talk, the way we act, the way we respond. So God puts local churches in cities to influence and impact the culture around it. The problem here in Ephesus is the opposite was happening. The culture on the outside was influencing the church on the inside. And so there wasn't much of a difference between how people who were following Jesus were living and those who weren't following Jesus were living. So Paul writes this letter to this church and really on two major themes. That one is identity and the other one is power. Paul makes this case that who you are in Christ Jesus is different than where you were before Jesus. Like he did something on the inside. You were dead before Jesus, like dead in your sin, dead in your trespass. But now you are alive because you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. So it changes everything. It changes the way you see yourself, the way you treat yourself, the way you allow others to treat you, the way you treat others. It's supposed to change everything about you. And as a result of that, God has also given you the power to do it. He doesn't just say, hey, you're different. Now figure it out. Paul makes the case like, no, there is power and strength available to us to actually live this way. So in the first three chapters of Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, Paul makes a case for this identity, who you are in Christ Jesus, what it took to get that in you and how that is available to you through the communion and interaction with the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Then in chapters 4, 5, and the first part of 6, Paul begins to lay out, hey, now that you are new and this is your identity, it actually impacts the way you live your life. Like this Christian following Jesus thing isn't abstract, that it's just this state of mind, that it actually is something on the inside of you and it impacts the way you treat other people. So in 4, 5 and 6, Paul starts talking about how this actually should change the way you treat each other in church and the unity that we should contend with. He begins to talk about how you should treat your purity and your holiness, how you have to be careful about the words that come out of your mouth. He says because of this new identity, it tells the husbands how do we treat our wives. It talks about how the wives are respond to their husbands. It talks about how how parents are to raise their kids kids it talks about how kids are to respond to their parents it talks about how you're supposed to treat people that work for you how you're supposed to treat people that you work for he's making this case in four or five in the first part of six like hey this is in you now you're different you're new you're in christ jesus and it actually impacts the way you live your life and then we get to chapter six verse ten if you're with me, we're going to begin to read, and this is how he ends this letter. I'm going to read it. We're going to pray, and then we're just going to go hit a couple of these verses, and we're going to have some fun this morning. I think it's going to be good. Verse 10 says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. What? Armor? Fight? Struggle? Wrestle? Devil? That's how we're ending this letter. Okay, well, let's pray right now. We need to pray right now. Jesus, it's your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, I recognize your role in this service. This is, this is you. You lead. You cause the word of God to come alive into us. So you lead, I follow. We're opening up our hearts. Father, speak to us, encourage us, challenge us. May we not be the same as a result of our interaction with you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the super spiritual people that came to church at 9 a.m. said amen and amen. So my, uh, my youngest son, Crew, uh, he's in this fighting stage where all this kid wants to do is fight me. That's it. Like, he just wants to fight. Like, when I come home, the kid wants a piece. I mean, and he's, like, at that dangerous height where, like, if he starts swinging, he could take me to my knees, you know? But he wants to fight. I think his name in Hebrew must mean fighter. I don't know. Like, I didn't pick it for that reason. But, like, this kid always wants to fight, right? And so uh, you can count on it. Every night, I'm going to expect that we're going to wrestle and we're going to fight. It's going to end up before bed. We're going to end up in my bed, and he's going to want to fight me. He wants to be me a monster. He wants me to take, take his sisters and trap them so he can save them. Like There's one thing I can expect every night is I'm going to fight crew, right? that is going to happen. Like it, no matter how tired I am, and sometimes I'm so exhausted, you know, that those moments you're like exhausted, you're just like using a hand to like push him down because you have nothing left, you know? And it's just like, dude, I'm so tired. Can we just cuddle? You know what I mean? And it's like, fight, bam, bam. You know, he's swinging it and he's got a good punch. So I'm not going to kid you. Um, This is what Paul's saying, I think. He's going all throughout this beautiful letter about the love of God, the height, the width, the depth, this identity who we are in Christ and how we're supposed to treat our husbands and treat our wives and how to raise our kids. But he ends this talk, this letter with, but you should expect a fight. Like you should expect some struggle, some resistance. Now, I'm going to let you in on my, uh, the tension I'm going to try to walk here with this chapter and these verses because... Um, what I don't want to do is we never want to present this life of following Jesus like there is not going to be struggle or resistance. Like, I can't sell that to you like, like a timeshare. Like, there's no catches. There's no strings attached except we own your firstborn. You know what I mean? Once you sign this thing. Like, I, there's some that actually think that this life of following Jesus isn't, isn't sometimes going to be hard. And because if you have that perspective, when something does happen hard, you think something's wrong. But see, that's just contrary to the word of God, because James said in the book of James, he said, hey, count it all joy when testing trials come your way. Now, he's not just saying it's going to happen. He's like, you should be happy about it. First, Peter says that you're going to endure trials. Jesus said that he said, listen, there are going to be things that are hard, but don't worry. I've overcome the world for you. So in one way, what I want to present, I feel like why these verses leaned out to me is because we can't go through the entire book of Ephesians where there's this beautiful life that impacts and changes everything with thinking that it's not going to come with a little bit of resistance. On the other hand, what I don't want to do is glorify the fight or the enemy where that all this life is is just struggle because that's not true and because some people that's what it is, you know, that person, they're not happy unless they're miserable, you know, and there's, there's some people that believe that this walk with Christ, that if it's always a struggle. Like there's nothing easy. There's nothing good about it. Like if you're not fighting, then you're not loving Jesus. And I don't think that's true either. Because Jesus said, I've given you life and life more abundantly. Jude says, "Hey, I want to pray that you be prosperous and be in health even as your soul prospers. So there is life that is available. And this life is a beautiful life to follow Jesus. So what I don't want to do either is glorify the fight or the enemy. But I also need to address it. Right? Because I can't tell you, Hey, listen, this is going to happen. It'd be like, if you walked on an airplane, right? You walked on an airplane and, and you know, how many of you just kind of totally just bail out when they get to the part about putting the seatbelt on? And you're like, yeah, cause I'm not an idiot. I know how to put a seatbelt on, you know? And then they talk about like, Hey, in case of a water landing, like I'm not even going over water. And so, you know, you know, and so you don't listen to like what's going to happen, but what if you got onto a plane and someone handed you a parachute and it was like, listen, at some point in this plane, it's going to crash. So I'm going to teach you how to put on this thing right now. You're going to pay attention. Right, so what I don't want you to do is be like da, da 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 da, loving Jesus, loving Jesus, and all of a sudden you get hit with the enemy, and you don't know how to fight, or you're fighting the wrong thing, or you're fighting the wrong way, or you're fighting with the wrong people, right? So this this message is like, hey, listen, it's gonna come, it's gonna be okay. That's why we sing songs that we sang this morning about glorifying who God is and He comes the world, and if He did it before, He'll do it again, right? But we gotta talk about it, right? So we can be prepared. So Paul he writes this letter. He says, listen, there is a fight. But well, you got to make sure you're fighting the wrong enemy, the right enemy, the right way and the right person. Yeah. And so he begins to lay out these verses in chapter 10. So here we go. We all ready to fight a little bit. We're ready. To, let's do this thing. Come on, you got this in you. Here it is. First part, Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. He says, hey, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Because when you come up against to a fight, the first thing that generally goes after a while is you, you lose your strength. So let's talk for a second. How many of you, you're you're in a fight right now in some phase of your life? There's a struggle, there's resistance. Maybe it's in your marriage and you're fighting for that. Maybe it's with a a kid who's just, one of your kids are out of your house and they're just not treating themselves well and they're making bad decisions and you are fighting and contending for them. Maybe it's for your purity. Maybe it's for your wholeness. You went through a horrible breakup and you're trying to contend. Maybe you're fighting an addiction. Maybe you're fighting something at work, resistance that's going on. Maybe something came out of nowhere in your finances, and all of a sudden now you're trying to fight and figure this thing out, or maybe it's a, it's a, it's a health issue that one of your family members are going through. And for some of us, it'd be one thing if it was one fight on one front, but how many of us fi- find yourself fighting multiple fights on multiple fronts? And generally, when you're in a fight, the first thing that starts to go is your strength. So before Paul even begins to talk about how we're going to fight, he has to address the one thing that is assumed. You're going to need strength in this fight. And you're going to need power. You're going to need strength. Because the first thing that goes is a strength. And for some of you, you've gone to it, and you're fighting, and you're fighting, and you go to pull up on that strength that you think that's on the inside of you, and there is literally nothing left. Your, your tank is empty. Have you ever had that moment? I remember, I remember the first time I ran a 5K. Years ago, years ago. And um, uh, it was like one of those foxtrot things. And so I had someone tell me, hey, listen, because you haven't ran one yet. When that starter pistol goes off, your temptation is going to want to go run as fast as everybody in the front. He's like, don't go that fast. You won't be able to keep up with that pace. That's great advice. And I wish I'd listened to it. <laughs> because that starter pistol went off. And all these tall, lengthy cross-country runners take off and I start going after it the same way. But I don't have a body of a cross-country runner. I have a body of a cross-country eater, you know? and. and so I go and like midway through, it's 5K, it's like 3.2 miles, it's nothing. But like midway into this thing, I am gassed. I literally have nothing left. I have like that metallic taste in my mouth, you know that like, you're like, am I bleeding in my mouth and I don't know about it? Like, I'm like, my lungs are burning and like, I am at a, it's, I don't even know if it's a run. It's not even a brisk walk. I don't know what it is, but I'm running and like, I'm literally having all these people pass me, like small children. <laughs> like there was this lady in a jogger with like a baby running past me. I'm like, can you, I, there was this, there was this older, she must not been in her seventies. She's running by me and I swear to God, she had ankle weights on and I'm like, I'm running and in my brain, I'm like, my God, Michael, get it together, muster this thing up. And I went to pull from the tank, everybody, and it was nothing there. She blew right by me and I'm like, what the guy in the wheelchair is close behind. You know what I mean? I'm in the middle of a race and I'm trying to pull on something. I got nothing left. Sometimes that's the way it is with life, right? For some of you right now, you are in the middle of a fight. It's a struggle. And you go to pull from your reserves and there's nothing there. That's why Paul said, hey, listen, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That word strength, and I told you this a couple weeks ago when I spoke so if you weren't here with us, just a refresher. Hey, when we look at the New Testament, sometimes you see preachers say, hey, the Hebrew word for this means this and the, Hebrew, the Greek word for this means this. We're not just trying to look super smart to you like we know Greek. It's because the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew and the New Testament was originally, most scholars believe, in Greek. And so when we translate the Bible, they translated, the translators try to do the best they can to match up the English word for the Greek word or the Hebrew word. Now, why that's cool and important though is that sometimes if you wanna know something more about a word, or about a verse, it, the Greek words sometimes have multiple meanings to it, not just one. So it behooves us to actually study out sometimes what certain words mean to have a better understanding of what the author meant. And this is not just something a pastor can you can do this for yourself. Right? Great resources, blue letter Bible. They have an app, they have a website, and if you let it pull up a verse, you can click on it in the concordance will give you every Greek word for the matching English word. And not just what it means, but actually the tense and forms of the word. In the Greek, actually mean different. So this word, that's why I'm saying this. I'm not trying to make you think I'm super smart. The Greek word there for strong is in the passive form and in the present tense. This is what it means. Passive form means this. When Paul says to be strong in the Lord, it's not a strength that you do for yourself. It's a strength that is done to you from somebody else. And it's in the present tense, meaning that it's continual and it never runs out and it's always there. So when he says to be strong in the Lord, he's not saying, hey, yo, get it together, muster it up, man up, let's go, get yourselves, talk yourself in the mirror. He's saying be strong in the Lord, that this strength that you need for this fight doesn't come from you. It comes from God, and it's done to you, and it's available all the time, and you can tap into that to, for the fight. So if you're feeling weak, that's actually normal because that's what happens when you get into a fight or you're in a struggle, you start getting gassed. But what you do in the midst of that matter, see, some of us, the play is that when we get tired, we bail, like I'm out of the fight. I'm out. I tried everything. I gave it my best. I gave it my best with the finances, with believing God again for something, and it just all wrecked again for my marriage, for my kids, for this this dream I have. I've tried. I'm exhausted. I'm out. That's not the move. The move is to draw strength through your relationship with Jesus Christ and allow him to strengthen you. That's the play. Allow him to. Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. New Living Translation says, those who trust in the Lord will have their strength renewed. What's my play if I feel weak? You trust and you wait. You wait in a relationship with God. Don't bail on him. It's not like this thing isn't working, so I'm out. It's no, you lean in because he's the source of your strength. And it's continual. It's not a quick fix. It's not a quick five-hour energy shot that gets you through the afternoon. It is available all day long. And I have access to it through a relationship. And this work, it comes through a relationship with Jesus. So in your partnership, in your communion, in your trusting and depending, God strengthens you for the day, for the fight. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So not only does he give you strength, but you're going to need some power. Ephesians 1:19, Paul prays that we would know the power of God, God's mighty strength. Now in chapter six, he says, now you've got to use it. So you know God's power. Now you actually got to use the power for the fight. And this power isn't the ultimate goal. I'm not trying to attain power. My ultimate goal is relationship with God. But in that relationship, I have power. And it's not power to do feats of strength right? I grew up in church all my life. I got saved 50 times at least every year in city because I gave you free stuff when you believed in Jesus. So look, I'm in, let's go. Yes. Lord of my life. I'll take the Bible bucks. But I was in church long enough that they used to have this group that would come around. If you've been in church, maybe you've heard of them. They were called the power Team. You know who the power team are? These these dudes, they would come to your church and they were like super yoked dudes and they would do like feats of strength. Like they'd rip phone books in half and they would like have like handcuffed and they'd break out of the handcuffs and they'd tie it to like, you know, scripture. And they like hit each other in the back with bats and they burst open. And like, they had like those like water, those like hot water bottle things that they would say that if they blew it, if the the air got back in their lungs, it would blow up their lungs. And you're like, this guy might die. And then they pop it like it's a balloon. It was just crazy stuff. I don't know. And so... (laughs) But we're not talking about that kind of power. They're like these feats of strength. We're, okay, this is the power Paul's talking about here. It's the power to be obedient. <laughs> because the ultimate fight that you are in is not what's in front of you. The ultimate fight is will I be obedient to what God tells me to do in spite of the struggle and the, and the resistance? That's where the fight comes. Because I can't control what happens around me, but what I can control if I'm being obedient to what God has told me to do. And here's the thing, you actually need power for that. Because sometimes this is challenging to be obedient to. Like, I promise you that there'll be things that you read. There'll be things that you feel like God wants you to do. And it's going to probably offend you a little bit. It's going to rub you the wrong way. Why? Because it's countercultural. the way you were raised. It's not how you think. You may not even fully agree with it yet. And you're like, uh, I don't know. And you need the power. But it is how you fight. It's the power to be obedient. Where I find in some of my conversations of late is a tendency to really like to be obedient to some parts of this thing and then some parts I don't. And it just doesn't work that way. Like this isn't a recipe book where like I get to pick what I'm making for dinner and the things I am passing on. It's like, hey, listen, I'm all in on the prosperity dinner. Let's go, you know, being generous and prosperous and like refreshing others and myself be refreshed. But like I'm a forgiveness free kind of guy. So I don't forgive and i know that the god the bible says but i'm not doing it i'm not forgiving my dad i'm not forgiving that person like they don't deserve it they don't earn it they're horrible people like and we sometimes think we can just pick and choose yeah. and the thing is the fight the power that's available only comes in the right fights right yeah. and so this power that god gives us is the power to be obedient to what god tells you to do yeah. so and this is the decision we have to make Like it's the back to the garden of Eden, Genesis chapter one, maybe you didn't grow up in church, but probably you've heard about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, tree of life. God puts Adam and Eve there and there they are in this garden. And he says, Hey, listen, eat whatever you want. Like, Hey, uh, you know, multiply, take dominion of the earth. Hey, but there's one thing you're not supposed to do. You don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And there's this tension and here's the tension they have to choose. Do I choose the tree of life that says, God, I trust you. And I'm going to allow you to define what is right and wrong in my life and how I'm to live. And what I say yes to and what I say no to? Or do I take the tree of knowledge of good evil and says, I want to define what I do and not do. I'm going to define what's right and not right for me. I'm going to define my own truth. And so mankind always chooses, chose that. And that's where we are. So again, we're the same decision right here, right? Do I choose to say and be obedient and say, God, I'm going to let you define. Even though I don't necessarily sometimes agree with it, I don't like it. It's against what my flesh wants. I get that. It's not easy. It's like it easy to do sometimes. But there is a strength and a power that's available that says, hey, listen, in the midst of the fight, am I going to do what God told me to do or am I going to do what I feel like doing, right? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Why? Put on, verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against what? Who's our enemy? The devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Right? You get that read that. Sometimes we like to skip over them. You ever read, there's parts of your Bible, like I like to lean into the parts I like to read through real quick. Cause I don't want to think about it. You know, it's like, it's literally says, this is not against people. That's what it says, flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul says, Hey, this fight we're in, it's not against people. It's not against a party. It's not against a parent or a child. It's actually against the enemy. It's against the devil. And in this fight, we have to have a balanced viewpoint of Satan. You have to. We can't live in a life where he, we don't think he doesn't exist because the Bible is pretty clear. He does exist. And actually, the New Testament, though, listen, the New Testament speaks about the, the, the devil, but he's, it highlights it in two ways. One, that he's defeated and conquered. And two, don't, it warns you not to be tricked by him. So you can't live a life where you don't believe there's a devil or you don't address him because then if there is, when I'm in a fight, I fight the wrong person. And so sometimes our problem is we're fighting the wrong people the wrong way for the wrong reasons. So now my fight is with flesh and blood. But it's not. It might be conflict at a start and they might be in this equation, but ultimately it's not them. But again, we also have to understand though that the devil doesn't have any power either. Because he was conquered and he was defeated. So a, a Christian who follows Jesus understands there is the devil, there is enemies, there are demons, there is these, these realms that are happening. But at the same time, they're defeated and they have no power. And the only power the devil has in my life is the, is the, is the power that I give him. Like scripture says, they don't even give the devil a foothold in your life. Don't give it to him. So I understand that my fight isn't with a person, it's with the enemy. So why that's important is because depending on who I fight depends on how I'm going to fight him. So we think our fight is against a person and it's against a, a party or this thing. And so we think we fight with our words, we fight with our dishonor, we fight with this action. And really it's a spiritual thing. So when you fight something spiritual, you gotta fight a spiritual way. There've been seasons in my life. Now, let me tell you this. It's not necessarily me that every time someone like cuts you off on the, on the one-on-one, like that was the devil, possessed them to get in front of you. That's not what I'm saying either, <laughs> right? We don't wanna take the, you know, the water boy mama you know approach. Well, everything's the devil, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I made an Adam Sandler movie, a, yeah, a reference there in my message. I don't watch those kind of movies. I don't know what you're talking about. But the, the devil may not have made this person offend you or do that, but now he will try to use that to distract you from what? From living the identity and the life God called you to live. To get you to be disobedient to what God told you to do and how God has instructed you to live. You get that, right? You know, Ephesians chapter six, verse one and two It's verses that the Robert's children will memorize. My oldest has and all my children were children. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. The second part, honor your father and mother, which is what is I love this, which is the first commandment with a promise that it will be well with you and you live a long life. One of the ways you fight is with honor. Honor is a big deal to God. It's so big. He actually attaches a promise to it. He says, if it be and it's pretty big promises, it will be well with you and you will live a long life. Young person, I think it's in you to fight. I think it's in you to stand up for what you believe in. What it's wrong, though, is to fight it with dishonor. And it has nothing to do about the person. It has everything to do with God. Honor is not earned. It is given. And when you dishonor and you wonder why life isn't working out the way it's not working out, it's because, again, if 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 it's true in the positive, it's true in the negative. So when I dishonor, it won't go well with me. But I can still fight because I'm not fighting in flesh and blood. So I can honor, but yet I can fight and stand and be obedient to what God told me to do. You guys catch it, right? Come on. I know it's not rah-rah, but it's just, something I we're gonna fight, people. Let's go. Maybe some of you, I'm telling you, this is, this is it. Like, this is what you, you need right now. Like, you need someone to say, listen up, pick yourself up. Let's go. You're in a fight. I get it. But there's strength available to you. There's power available to you. You got to do what's right. You got to do what the Bible says. Don't do what Mike says. What's God telling you to do? doesn't matter. Don't do what I tell you to do because if I tell you to do it on Sunday, somebody will tell you to do something different on Monday and you'll just do that. You do what God tells you to do because you're not fighting against a relationship. You're not fighting against a dad. You're not fighting against a party. You're not fighting against your work. You're not fighting against some person. You're not fighting against some random karma. There's an enemy that's trying to prevent you from living out the life that God has for you. So you fight against that. See it that way. There's seasons in my life where I, there has been conflict with individuals and I can feel it. It's heavy. And I know it's not about the person. My conflicts with that person, we're having an issue, but there's something, it's heavy. And I know that's the devil. That's an enemy. He's trying to get me to attack that person and to respond counter culture the way I have now in Christ Jesus. I'm supposed to act and conduct myself. So I got to see it for what it is. So I will not attack that person. I will honor that person. And I will do my best to fight. Y- y- okay. He said, hey, we don't wrestle against this stuff. I love this. Here it goes. Verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Now, in the verses that follow, he actually highlights pieces of armor, right? And he talks about the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the feet of peace, uh, and the shoes of peace. And, and we literally, there there are series where they take every piece of armor and we talk, we talk through it. We could do that. I don't have time to even touch that, so I'm not even going here. But Paul actually highlights pieces of armor, which really are attributes of God, truth, righteousness, faith, peace, that that's how he defeated the enemy and that's how you defeat the enemy. So a great maybe project for the summer if you want to do some research, research the armor of God and see what it does. But he says to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Jump real quick back to verse 11. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Can I give you a Bible reading tip? What is repeated is important. Now, the Bible's all of it's important, but you gotta remember that the, the word of God was mostly consumed through the ears. It was spoken. We didn't have a bunch of Bibles available. We didn't have our U version. A lot of people couldn't even read. So most of the people in the Old Testament and the New Testament at that time, they heard the word of God. So when you are, when somebody is trying to communicate something important, if I want you to remember it with my mouth, I'm going to repeat it multiple times. So when you see themes in your Bible reading or you see words that are repeated, 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 it actually should be for you to pause and go, hmm, I think that's important. And so in a couple of verses, we see the word stand multiple times. It says stand. When you put on the armor of God, so that you may be able to stand your ground. And when you've done everything to stand, that's how we fight. That word stand, it means to stand firm. It means to be prepared and ready. When you're standing, you've got to be ready and prepared that when the fight comes, you're ready to go. I mean, as a country, we spend billions of dollars in defense systems. Why? So just in case something happens, we're prepared. We spend tons of money on security systems and churches and homes and ring doorbells and security, right? We get stuff. Why? So that if something goes down, we're prepared. And one of the greatest fights, if not the greatest fight we have is the fight for identity, who we are, because Paul laid it out, who we are dictates how we live and how many of us are prepared that when the devil comes, we're ready and responding. Sometimes we're not. So we spend all of our time and energy picking ourselves back up again, getting back up on our feet. Grace, love, mercy of Jesus Christ. I'm ready to go. We don't put things in our life that prepare us for the attack. And so we get hit again. And we spend all our effort and energy just trying to get back up. When life is supposed to be moved forward, we're meant to actually stand firm and not down and up, down and up. And that's sometimes our life. We struggle. So what is the thing, but what's the part of your identity that's really being attacked right now? And you know what it is. Bible talks about the sin that so easily besets us. Like that, that thing, it attacks you. What have you put in place to prepare you so that when that attack comes, you're able to respond right away? Because yes, the power of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God is there for the defensive to pick you back up again. Of course. So his love, he never fails you. He never leaves you. But my God, there's more than just defensive moves. There's offensive things. What is it in your life? You put in place now so that when you know, and you know what he said, because when the day of evil comes, it's coming and it's going to tempt you to act differently than the way God created you to be. And it's going to pull life out of you and it's going to get you to fight the wrong person and to make you feel convicted and, and down and just down. What is it? What have you put in place for me as a young man? I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you as a young man, where I grew up and where I struggled with was my purity. That's where the devil comes at me. And I know this, that I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. That's who I am with my identity. I know that's who God is and God made me to be. But I know if the devil's going to come at me, that's what he's going to come at me at. So I stand prepared. So I put safeguards on my phone. I put safeguards on my, on my computer. Now, some of you right now, you might think, is that, why, is that such a big deal? Yeah, it is actually a big deal. And I don't say that in a condemning way. I say to somebody who walks free from it, it's a big deal to God. God's a holy God. He talks about being holy. It impacts everything. So I think it is a big deal. So I'm ready for the fight. So I put things in place. So Mike, are you tempted every day? No, I'm not tempted every day. Most days I'm really, really good. But I know the day of evil comes sometimes. And I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I'm fried. Me and Gab got into a fight and there's a temptation that comes. The devil comes to attack me. And I'm able to stand. I'm standing. I'm prepared. Because I can't. I'm out. Because if it happens, someone's going to know about it. And I've got people in my life who know who I I trust that I call and say, hey, listen, I'm struggling. I feel a bit. Just be praying for me. I want it out there. I don't keep anything in the dark. I don't keep anything hidden. It's out there. Why? Because that's how you stand prepared. I don't know what your struggle is, and there are safeguards you can put into place. You're struggling with an addiction. Maybe there are certain people. Your preparation is to stay away from certain types of people. Now, that doesn't mean they're bad and horrible people. It's just when you're a good person, they are good people. But when you're keep good people, get around those good people, bad things happen to you. So that's preparation, right? It may be something with your whatever it may be. It could be a lot of different things. But I can tell you one of the things you could do, it doesn't matter what your struggle is, is you get in community with people that will stand alongside of you. That's why going into a group, joining a team, like joining a team is more than just coming and serving. It's actually getting connected with people in relationships. Where you're like, hey, can you have my back and I have your back? And we'll do this together. You know, one of the, the pieces of armor is called the shield of faith. And Paul based it, all these understandings on like the Roman soldiers, kind of like pieces of equipment. And the, and the shield of faith was this four foot tall uh, uh, shield. And the way they would go to battle is they would interlock next to each other. So your shield didn't just protect you. It protected the person next to you. And so that's how you stand prepared. Like you stand shoulder to shoulder with somebody. So like if I'm feeling weak, we come alongside and we pray for you because eventually I'm going to be weak and I need you to come alongside and pray for me. But we got to be prepared yes. because that's what standing means. Just say, hey, when it comes, you stand, you're ready. And when it's maybe it's a scripture, what scripture, this is so good. What scripture do you have right now in your heart? You're thinking about that the moment that temptation comes, you say the scripture. I got one in Job. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a young lady with lust. It's there, boom. I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Flee from sexual immorality, young man. I have things in my heart that when the thought comes, I fight it with something. The word of God. What's the scripture you can lean into? That's called being prepared. That's how we stand. Jesus did not die on the cross and pay the ultimate price for you to live your life on your knees. Bowing to a label, To a family history, to an addiction, to a a crappy thought. He did not make you to do that. It's not in you to do that. That's why you're miserable. It's in you to stand. Jesus Christ died on the cross. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you, and you stand. And if you got down, get back up again. You lean into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Those who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. And you take that strength and you stand up. And you use the power to be obedient to what God tells you to do. And if you don't know what that is, come on, ask somebody. Read your Bible. He will speak to you. He will show you what it is. Because every fight that the enemy brings you, there is a response in Scripture. And you fight it the right way with the right person, the Spirit of God against the right enemy who is the enemy. And you stand. And when it's all done and you've done everything you know how to do, you stand. And That is the picture of a Christian life. I stand. You know that word stand also means abide. It means to remain with somebody. So when I stand, I'm not just standing by myself. I'm standing with the spirit of God. So you may be the only one in your family that's living the way you're going to live. You can be the only one in your your friend group that's going to live the way you're going to live. But that does not mean you are standing alone. That's a lie from the devil. And again, that's another thing he tries to say. Oh, no, you're, that, you're the only one. No one else does that. No, 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 no. You're not alone. The Spirit of God leaves on the inside of you. you no know, one has to worship him to come up. It's a good life, it's a life of victory. But there is no victory without some struggle, there's no victory without a fight. Bible actually says you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. He's given us the victory. We don't fight for victory. We actually fight from a place of victory because Jesus Christ, he, he, he won the victory on the cross. Like, the power of sin does not have a place in my life. It, it does not control me. Like, this, 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 this realm, do not do not be mistaken, this spiritual realm, this is not like whether or not good and evil are going to win. Like, evil has lost. Like, evil has no fight with good. Like, just like no, light has no fight with darkness. Where light is, darkness goes. Like... There's no contending here, wondering what's going to happen. So, no, there's victory. So let's fight. You're in a fight. Okay. You got multiple fights going on. All right. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You put on that armor of God and you stand. You don't stand alone. The spirit of God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, who makes a way, we sang it this morning, who makes a way where there seems to be no way, who works all things together for our good, he fights for you. You draw that strength. You stand for your family. You stand for your marriage. You stand for your kids. You stand for your school. You stand for your city. You stand for our country. You stand and you fight the right person the right way with the right people. And we will reflect. And if we do that, Then a local church impacts the culture around it. Then the people on the outside take notice that there is something different. And you know what? They'll see. It's not because things have been easy, but these people tend to respond differently when it happens. These people know how to fight and they know how to fight the right way. And Jesus will get all the honor and glory for it. And more people will come to know him. Everyone, uh, everyone responds the, right, uh, the same way when something good happens. It's when something bad happens that we'll see really what's on the inside of us. Your greatest testimony to some of your family members and your friends are what's going to happen as you fight this thing. And that will be the greatest testimony. And they will ask you, how'd you do it? How do you peace? How are you happy? And you'll tell them about Jesus. And some will get it. Some will. And they'll want to know more. Some will disagree and think it's weird. And some will make fun of you. But that's not on you. That's not on you to change somebody's life. It's simply on you to tell them what you are experiencing with your relationship with Jesus. Will you stand with me? I want to pray for you this morning. Would you mind if you bow your head and close your eyes? If you don't mind. Uh, And the reason I ask, I don't know about you, but... uh, I get distracted when my eyes are open. So it's the moment with you and Jesus. Hey, before I, um, before I pray for everybody, I want to talk to somebody. And that's if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Like I said, it's a good life. It's a great life. And I told you, there's a power where you have to be obedient to what God tells you to do. And here's the thing. We're all born with sin and it separates us from God. And so in order to enter into a relationship with God, to experience this strength, I'm talking about this power that I'm talking about to have victory in life. It first starts with an act of obedience. And this, some of you, this is going to be your first step. The Bible says that when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. This is a relationship right here. What does that mean? You're making a decision. I'm going to make Jesus Lord of my life. Like I said, it's the tree of knowledge of news evil and a tree of life. I'm going to choose to allow God to lead, guide and direct me, tell me what is right, what is wrong. I'm going to follow him. That's making him lord of your life. It's trusting that Jesus was the one who saved you that I could not earn this relationship with God on my own. It wasn't based on my merit, how good I was, how bad I was. No, it, only, it was a gift of it was grace. It was given to me though I don't deserve it. And you receive that gift and you enter into this relationship with God and now all of a sudden you can live out a life where you you have a new identity. You were dead now you are alive. You weren't a fighter, or you were fighting the wrong things against the wrong people with the right with the wrong tools. Now you're gonna fight the right way. With the right people, the right way. If that's you, I'm gonna give you an invitation. And on the count of three, I just want to know who I'm going to pray for. The Bible actually says, hey, if you if you acknowledge me before people, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. It takes a moment to say, Hey, look, I'm gonna make a decision to follow Jesus. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and then I'm going to lead us all in a prayer, and we're all going to say it together. But on the count of three, if that's you, you want to make a decision to believe in Jesus, make him the Lord of your life, enter into a relationship with him, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, I'm ready to do this thing, Michael. Three, I make that decision. Anybody in this room? Let me see. Anybody here? Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Look around real quick. I'm going look one more time. All right, come on, everyone. Can everyone in this room, can you repeat this prayer with me so we can all pray it together? Say, thank you, God, for loving me. I believe in Jesus that he was your son. Father, forgive me of my sins. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name come on let me pray for everyone in this room real quick and we're going to go back to worship just a moment hey and if you can just hang on don't bail just yet those who wait on the lord he will renew your strength mount up with wings like eagles and they will walk and not grow weary and they will run and not go faint father and i pray for everyone in this room Those that need strength, I pray right now that they would experience a strength that only you can give them. Right now, supernatural strength. As they wait and they trust in you, I pray strength on them. I pray power to do what you've told them to do. Holy Spirit, I pray it becomes so tangible in their hearts what they need to do. And I pray not only would they have the knowing to do it, but they have the courage to do it even when it's hard. Give them the power do we take authority over the enemy the devil who will look to distract us and we say no in jesus name you're not allowed in our minds. You're not allowed in our marriages. You're not allowed in our families. Come on, you need to pray that way. You know, you talk to someone differently when you know they're already defeated. Like you talk and you respond when you know you can beat somebody, like you act differently. I don't know why some of us, were acting like we're already defeated. Like we don't have a fight. Like we, we can't win this fight. It's already won. I can be pretty cocky. I can be pretty confident. I can pray differently. I can expect differently because the enemy is already defeated. So God, I pray there'd be a new understanding of our, our, our victory through you, Jesus Christ, and it is not in us, it is not our own, it's because of the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that we overcome, so God, I pray that would be on us, I pray a new revelation and understanding of what is at work here, God, peel back the layers, those of us that have been deceived and thinking we're fighting the wrong fight, let us see the enemy for who he is and give us the strength and the courage and the boldness to fight that fight, and God, I pray we stand, I pray a supernatural strength to stand firm, God, that we would be prepared, God, give us wisdom and strategies of what we put into all our life to be firm. And God, I think we don't stand alone. God, right now, may we feel the proximity of you in this moment. You stand with us. You stand firm right now in Jesus' name. Come on, church, now let's begin to worship. Let's wait on the Lord. Let him renew your strength. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.